Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Judith Helfand. You can find more out about her at her website, judithhelfand.com, for sure. Check her out there. She's an award-winning documentarian. She's a writer, director, producer. And her new film, Love and Stuff, is is having its world premiere at the Hot Docs Online Festival this year. And we, we talked uh, about a whole lot of things. We talked about why it's so tragic and sad that the film festival is online and, and not face-to-face and why that community and why getting together with people and lining up for a film and having conversations in the street about what matters is so important. We talk about why Judith actually really wants to start a new career uh, in radio, or at least that's uh, that's the sense I have. We talk about connecting with loved ones and about being being present and, and about un, unfinished projects and, 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 and taking something very particular and very specific, specific and and speaking about it in in a much more universal way, and 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 w- something really really quite lovely, Judith talks about is this idea of why witnesses are so important. This is a film about death. It's about living well. This is a film about celebrating collaboration. How cool is that? She talks. Judith talks a great deal about how how important it is for her to invite a crew into our life, and isn't that what we all need to do? We talk about elephants and and. Uh, how all of us have this box of elephants in our life that we need to sort of sort through and think about and reflect on and, 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 and how sometimes we just need to sit down and play. And, and I mean that literally and, and metaphorically as well. This is a film that's about so many things. It's layered with symbol and with metaphor, so much humor. This is a, this is an exercise and a, a, a an experiment. I, and I hate to even use that word, but I, it's, it's a, it's a life lesson about about grief and about about depression and about living well. Um, Judith talks about 
doing a stuff review and and what exactly is that and you're gonna have to see the film to find out more about that love and stuff and again it's it's world premiere is happening at the hot docs film festival this year and um don't forget uh, davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and and, and uh, speaking, uh, which is now, it seems, shifting to online, which is okay with me for the time being. And you can get a copy of Real Changes Incremental there uh, online. I'd love it if you do that. And don't forget face-to-facelive.ca. So many interviews. We are well over 500 published interviews now. You can access more of those online. You can, you can also advertise with us if you want. You can also um, sign up for our newsletter. You can share it with friends and family. Uh, please help us get word on the street about uh, Face to Face. We send out uh, newsletters once a month uh, and highlighting different uh, interviews. And if you uh, can't advertise with us, if you can't support us on Patreon, which I totally understand, we would really, I would really appreciate it if you left a, a review on iTunes uh, hopefully at least a three-star review, four or five would be much better. And then maybe one a one-liner about why you listen or why it's important. And don't forget to share it with uh, friends and family as well. We really appreciate that. I can't believe that I think we are now, I think seven years uh, I've been uh, uh, interviewing people and having a blast doing it and, and looking forward to so many more great conversations. And don't forget to uh, rabble.ca is a platform where uh, a whole host of other thinkers, writers, um, uh, readers, I was going to say, journalists, bloggers, podcasters, uh, you can find out more about about things that matter there. Rabble.ca, it's a platform that uh, face-to-face exists on. But don't touch that dial. Look forward to the film Love and Stuff if you haven't already seen it. And to my conversation with Judith Helfand coming right up here on Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here with us today. I just I, I continue to marvel at the the people that I, I get access to and the talent I have on, on our show here on Face to Face. We have Judith Helfand here with us today to talk about her new film, Love and Stuff. Judith, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat about Love and Stuff today. Uh, it's I'm thrilled. Thank you. It's the closest thing I could get to having an, a world premiere in Toronto. Really? Yeah. So there you go. So world premiere at Hot Docs. Uh, I believe it's going to be online for people to see. And we'll certainly be giving you a couple of shout outs and on social and so on. But t- between now, I believe in June 24th. Is that right? People That's can get right. ac- access That's to right. the film. And, and, and I'm uh, thrilled about it, but I'm just so sorry not to get to be face to face with the audience. It's a really interesting thing, isn't it? The f- a film festival that isn't kind of a festival, you know, like what, what, isn't, isn't it about having coffee together and hanging out on the street? and chatting about the film when you're in line and so on, right? And it so it's going to be but well with this movie which is interesting is the fact that this movie is about connecting with loved ones who aren't mm. with us anymore and it's really thinking about our relationships and trying to be as present as we possibly can. Mm. Kind of an interesting thing to me that this would be the time that this movie gets launched is when people mm. have to watch it at right. home. Yeah. So, well, and before we step into, uh, I want to talk more about that whole notion of being present because I was going to say, you know, what? So, what is what is the stuff uh, in the in, in the love and stuff? Because it's it's really a metaphor for so many things. It seems to me, and it's what I so love about documentary film and the layers and the metaphors and the symbols and so on. But t- can you tell? Can you just tell us what 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 does your um, your last name mean in Yiddish? It means elephant. 
It means elephant. And, and and I have to say that the elephants that are in the movie. Yes. And the box that's actually in the opening. <laughs> um, it's near the opening of the film, right? Yeah, You've got it's a like cardboard the sequence around the title sequence. Yeah, that that is one of the last big things that my brothers and I have to go through. And right before the lockdown and this pandemic started, my brother Alex, who's the older guy, the the uh, he's the co- competitive sailor um, and computer engineer, said to me, "Listen, it's enough already. You have to come back here. You have to come. You got to take those elephants." You got to go through the stuff, whatever is left here that you didn't want to go through, that you couldn't go through, that was too emotional, too painful. It's 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 in my house, and I now have to sell my house, and you have to come and take it away. And then I was saved by the pandemic. <laughs> so so you actually haven't finished the project then? No. Wow. Okay. No, well, there's also- unlo- no. There is definitely. There is stuff to go through, literally and figuratively. But isn't it, I mean, so Judith, so let's, I mean, I, and by the way, I love the film and thanks and thanks and congratulations and congratulations on Hot Docs and the world premiere and all of the above. You're making I, me feel like I'm having a world premiere. Thank you. This is, I'm telling you, this is very gratifying. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's so great. It's too bad we weren't sitting on stage and we had an audience of three or 400 people out front to, to, to end the Especially buzz of the crowd, the right? Box audience. I know. Yeah. There's the, there's something about the buzz. That's for sure. So from the box of mom's elephants to, 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 I mean, I think you actually use the line in the film. I am filled with unfinished projects. Is, is that, is that for you kind of, I mean, isn't that life? Don't we all have a box of elephants that we're just, we, we need to sort out? Yeah. I, I, yes. I mean, I think that one, I mean, look, some people are really good at everything has a place. They know exactly what they have. There's no demons in any drawers. There's no demons in any, you know, like, they live fully in the present. They use the stuff they have. They get rid of the stuff they don't need. And it's not a struggle. I'm definitely stuff challenged. Mm. Um, but I think one has to make peace with, you know, maybe it's unfinished. Maybe it's a work in progress. Maybe it's a struggle you're always going to have. Maybe it's an invitation and you don't have to beat yourself up over it. One of the things I love about your journey in the film and, and, and everyone in the film really is you do it with others. Now, is, is that fair to say all the time for you or do you, do you find yourself going inward a lot? Um, Um, Well, by the way, I think you, you know, you mentioned before we hit the record button that you should, you should go into radio. I actually think you should go into comedy just for the record. You've got a really funny beat. And I I think my favorite line in the whole film is once we left the desert, now we had to find places for our stuff. Oh, the age old Jewish problem. Once we left the desert, then we had to find places for our stuff. Places for our stuff. But it was the way you delivered it. That was so beautiful. So, so yeah, I mean, well, you did it in a community, together. and there I love that. There is a lot of togetherness. <laughs> Not mm. at the moment. We're fucking right. going crazy. Okay, take that out. Sorry. Just the curse. I, yeah. I mean, right now it's me and my daughter mm. and Denise, who is in the movie. You know, I'm a single mom, and I have to work. You know, if I don't work, we don't eat. And, right. um, you know, luckily, 
I, I'm a teacher and along with being a filmmaker. So I was teaching when the, the lockdown happened and I had to come home and turn all of my teaching into um, online teaching right? and all of my work with chicken and egg pictures into online mentorship. So I've been doing a lot of that um, along with writing op-eds and working on launching this movie. So I've been really busy and launching my relaunching my other film. But, but in order for me to do the work, it was really hard for me to be doing the work, helping my kid with homeschool who, and she's totally resistant. She, she loves being with people and she's really not into learning through a screen. Right. Um, yeah. And so at a certain point, um, Denise, who is the most extraordinary human being, I mean, I don't really want to call her a babysitter, but you know, she's, she's really, she's like a co-parent helping me take care of Theo right now. And, and after she was away for a month and then we all felt like it was safe enough for her to like reintegrate into our bubble and she's here now. So, but do we like, I like being with people and this movie is a celebration of collaboration. Mm. I mean, I don't mind being alone, but I definitely have a history of inviting a crew into my life at the most difficult, painful, horrible, unimaginable, unenviable moments in my life. And I've done it historically. I did it when I had cancer. I did it when I couldn't stand that my parents put vinyl siding on our house. I did it when I talked them into letting me take the vinyl off the house. That's blue vinyl, which opened at Hot Docs right. in yes. 2002. Um, I'm staring at a tchotchke on my wall right now. I mean, I've, I've done it when I did it when my parents had to sell their house. I made a little short film called Ekvelt, which is partially in this movie too. So it's not surprising that at the thing that I could not imagine, which was living without my mother, let alone integrating her stuff into my life or going through her stuff and closing up her apartment. Of course, it made sense to invite a crew in. I mean, one, because there was a part of me that like, I needed the company. Mm. I needed the witnesses. I didn't want to do it by myself. And pretty much whenever I feel that need that I have to bring a crew in, it's because there's something universal that is not mine alone that I'm observing or exploring or documenting. And so I really, I'd rather put it as part of the public record because I know it is part of the public record. Is is that what it is for you about uh, making film? Obviously it seems to me there's a, there's a, there's a diary like nature to it. There's a, almost a therapeutic edge. It w I would think, you know, to getting, getting it out on the page, getting it out onto the screen, but is it also about that taking the particular and, and saying, "Hey, this we're all in this together. This everyone shares in this, and yeah, one, oh, everyone's sure. got a everyone's got a box of elephants, right?" Well, everyone has or had a mother who's going to die. Mm, mm. Everybody's going to question whether they're a good enough parent. Everyone's going to worry that they're never going to be around long enough and full enough and enough enough to mm. give their child everything yeah. that they think they need to give. And then and then there's the whole problem of then you're given the opportunity to be with them and they want to play Barbie dolls and you're just like going to go crazy, which is really <laughs> my problem at the moment. I'm joking. but <laughs> Not I enough mean, time for Barbie? The interesting thing is that my mother, all my mother wanted at the end of her life, 
at the beginning of the end of her life was to spend time with us and to spend mm. time with me. And I think she wanted to go through all the stuff in the house because she knew that it wasn't just stuff that, that each thing was an opportunity to talk about a moment in her life or a moment in my dad's life or um, a lost opportunity or, you know, or an amazing experience that we shared together or an everyday thing that became a ritual that became, you know, some crazy thing that my father had to do every single day, no matter what, you know, or, you know, it's like everything had a story attached to it. And why would you ever want to give a bunch of storyless stuff to your kid? Because then you know that there's really no way for them to go through it mm. and to go through all the pain because there's not enough love attached to it. So all my mother wanted to do was give me to attach the love to the stuff or detach, you know, my, my, my insane notions of ritual and, and romance and nuance and nostalgia, like help me get rid of that and say, God, you don't need that. That didn't really happen with that. Don't keep it. I mean, there's just, there was such an opportunity for us to spend real quality time together and for us to experience very important period of transmission of knowledge and, mm. and, and to, and to, to effectively like make that transition together and say, okay, give me the stuff. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You can, you can rest in peace or you can live in peace. That's all she wanted. And I really didn't give it to her. So, so is it fair to say then Judith, that you talk about different items and shots of different items, the green etched shot glasses then? It, it doesn't really matter that they're shot glasses or that they're green or that they're etched. It it was about the opportunity that, I mean, you're clearly your mom saw that uh, the thing, the material, the possession became the opportunity just to spend time with you and with others. Oh, you mean after she was dead, when I was with other people shooting it? Well, yeah, just on the, I guess, just on the, just on the reflection, the reflection, right. On, on how, how well, she just, I mean, you had mentioned. Kind of like, I mean, I don't want to really be grandiose or anything. So, so no, go ahead. If I am, cut that out. <laughs> okay, um, that we you will remove. Um, I mean, you know, look, some people paint by themselves. Some people yes. make sculptures. You know, sh piecing together a movie and shooting a movie, especially like this, which. There's, you know, there was all this sort of tactile opportunities and picking up and putting down and placing. And then, you know, the, the opportunity to collaborate with Daniel Gold and to shoot all of these objects and to make objects funny and make them beloved and make them have a personality and make them smile or make them, you know, spiritually screech. Like, there's mm. so much fun. It was fun. It was really delightful. And so I, I guess in a way, I got to find the delight in the process that I was so terrified of. And in the process of doing that, I got to taste my mother's, the delight that maybe my mother and I would have had if I'd mm. given us a chance. So when you say given us a chance, so did you really not spend at much time with her at all near the end? Well, is that, I, is that I, what I'm hearing? The last two months of her life I spent all the time. With right. Her. Right. Yeah, that that's time, sort of the sense she I was got dying at that point. She had right, no interest right, in dealing with stuff. Are you kidding? I mean, 
She mm. died sooner than we thought she would. Right. And my my joke is that you know my mother was very economical, and I don't mean that literally. It's not like she saved a whole lot of money, but my brother was in from Eugene, Oregon. Everybody was there already. She was worried about him having to fly back and come back for a funeral. <laughs> so, you know, she died much sooner than the hospice workers thought she would. So, you know, things really, she, that we had to stop. She really started to, she really started, the, the cancer got to her brain and she started to lose her ability to speak. And she was really having a hard time in July and she died in the middle of July and she died in the middle of September. So between the middle of July, you know, I, I was working on a different movie then and I was in Chicago a lot. And I, that movie is called Cooked Survival by Zip Code. And um, I put, I got to a rough cut exactly at the same time. And I was really feeling like I had lost my voice and I didn't know how to write anymore. And mm. I couldn't find my way through that movie and to find the right voice. Cause I narrated that it is not about me and my family at all. It's about the long-term impact of structural racism and why it takes a disaster for us to be able to see the life and death implications of segregation and racism. And that was about a heat wave that took place in 1995 in Chicago. It's kind of a prescient movie right now. Oh, so yes, yeah. I, I put that movie down and I raced home because I knew that a cousin of mine who was talking to my mother from Israel said, your mother sounds really confused. And I called up my brother and said, have you spoken to her recently? Can she put words together? Is she okay? And I raced home and sure enough, she wasn't. The cancer was in her brain. So that's when I started spending the time that she desperately wanted me to spend with her. And it was too late to go through this stuff. But we had a good time. And we made a beautiful death and we had a beautiful hospice experience. And, you know, reflecting on that now, knowing that, you know, you know, over a hundred thousand people have died of COVID-19 just in the United States. And most of them weren't able to be with the people. They had no end of, they had no quality end of life. There was no planning. There was no time. There was no time to process there was no time. They didn't even have the chance to really be with each other. They did it through FaceTime or Zoom. Mm. Can you imagine? So I feel like, you know, we had the greatest death in the world. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a line. That's quite a phrase, and it's quite a thought and a place to go to. I mean, isn't, I mean, what did Socrates said life is, uh, or philosophy is a rehearsal for dying, right? I mean, we're, and, and I think, great film, great storytelling, great communities. I mean, isn't that hopefully getting us ready for that in some respects? You say, what do, what do you say near the end of the film? Transitions and goodbyes are difficult. And, and, and it's a good- Transitions and goodbyes are notoriously difficult. Notoriously difficult. For right? everybody. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, isn't isn't that what it's about? It seems to that's me. And that, that's so much practice. <laughs> good thing we have so much practice, yeah. So is this film really then, I mean, it's about so many things. I mean, it must be, I would think it must be hard to explain that, you know, that elevator speech, right? That 30 second elevator speech, what really is, is love and stuff about, but could you say in, in a few words that it's, it's about being present. It's about being in the moment. It's about, is it, is it about listening? Um, it's about listening. It's about really 
committing yourself to, well, trying to understand and question and explore what it is we really want to leave our children. Mm. So it's about, it's about our, our history then. leaving our children. It's about leaving our children and about leaving our children well. Yeah. And it's about not worrying about leaving our children. It's about trying, trying to put that worry aside so that you could really be present in the moment, Mm. which if you're 50 years older than your kid, which I am, she's six and I'll be 56 in 26 days. Um, you know, I, I, if I spend my time worrying about, am I going to get to, am I going to get her to 30? Am I going to get her to 40? Can I get her to 50? 50 is going to be hard. I'll have to be a hundred. <laughs> right. I hard. wish you well with that. Yeah. Um, you know, can I get her, can I, can I get to 90 so she could get to 40? You know, I, I probably should ask myself that once a week and then commit to walking 20 miles that week and eating really healthy. That, that's mm. what I should do. That's, that's the only reason to worry about that is if I could turn it into a really practical, healthy action. Cause I, I do worry about that. I mean, that hasn't gone away, but that's not what she wants me to worry about. What she wants me to worry about is can I, can I finish work tonight by seven? So I could play with her for two out for an hour and a half before she goes to bed. Right, right, right. Yeah, the whole notion of being present and being in the moment. I mean, let's let's hope sociologists and anthropologists look back on this time and say there was a bit of a correction for the human race there for those what is it seven and a half billion people they they were you know they're they're healthier because of it. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case, but I, I think it's made uh, uh, my, my wife and I, Elizabeth and I, and our kids uh, we're we're a little more present. I think I'm I, I'm terrible. I don't know about you. You you apparently live in the past. I think you admit to that at the beginning of the film, don't you? You're obsessed with family history and the past, right? And I always, and I live in the future. I'm always what's next. So we don't make a good pair, you and I. So, so I guess the question is, why is that? (laughs) No, I. How how come we don't like playing with Barbies, Judith? That's the question I have for for both of us. You have a a tough time being in the present? I do. I do. And I I I think I'm getting better about it all all the time. I wouldn't mind playing with Barbies if my daughter let me be part of the inventing process and augmenting process. And I could, you know, I could suggest things and I could bring other dolls and other toys into the story and I could use objects and things, but she gets really frustrated with me. She's like, mom, this is my world. I'm creating it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. The green edge shot glasses aren't going to work in Barbie land. I don't think. No, but you know, it's interesting. Um, the very, 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 there was, I had finished, I mean, this didn't, you know, nothing can get into, everything can get into the movie unless you make a series, which for a while we thought it would be a series. And I loved the idea that it would be a series because then I could like, then I could really revel in the, in the moving out of the house part. Like I could make the whole moving out of my mother's apartment and I'm packing out the whole bit. That could be 20 minutes in and of itself, but that didn't happen. We made a feature, but Maybe if I had this moment, which I'm about to explain to you, would make it into the movie. So we finished, we finished, it was time to leave. And I did what we call an idiot check. 
which is usually, you know, which is like what film crews do to make sure that they remember to re, you know, replug in the refrigerator, which mm. turned off so the sound would sound good so that we don't spoil, you know, our host's food. So I was doing an idiot check to make sure that I hadn't left anything and everything was out. And I look in this one closet and I actually see something and I realize, oh my God, I guess I haven't finished taking out the last of the stuff. And my heart literally sinks. I'm just too tired and too exhausted. And I'd slept there by myself overnight the night before and to finish, finish the last stuff. And because my brother wouldn't help me because I extended the whole thing by a month so I could shoot the whole process. So I was really, you know, I was on my own. So I reach up and we are shooting this though. I do have, Dan did come back to shoot this last moment and I reach up and I pull out this red, bright red, fire engine red, velvet heart. Hmm. And it's kind of gruesome and on it, and it's a pillow and on it, in in lace is is sewn into it i love you i'm like oh my god the last thing i pull out is this heart that mm. says i love you this pillow like this message from my mother you're okay it's okay thank you you finished you did a good job you could leave now i love you like i couldn't believe it and then i remembered that my father had given this pillow to my mother for some for um for valentine's day and she thought it was the kitschiest most horrible thing like it came with perfume or came Funny. with a bottle right, of wine right. or came with flowers and she hated it and she hated the idea the very idea that my father would think that she would like it infuriated her but she couldn't tell him that so she said thank you honey and she kissed him and then when he wasn't looking I don't know, she put it on their bed or something because he wanted it out. And then as soon as he died, she put it in the closet. And then there it was. Like she threw it away in the closet and it's the last thing I pull out. And then during this pandemic, I must have told my daughter, as I have with many things, that was your grandpa's, that was your grandma's, those candlesticks are your great grandma's, that's the piano that your grandma got when she turned 65 and now you're learning how to play on your grandma's piano, she would love that. So I must've told her that this was my my mother's pillow. And she, during the pandemic one day, she comes to me and she's holding the pillow and she starts crying and she says, I miss grandma, mm. I miss her. And she's hugging the pillow and she says, I need to sleep with her tonight. So the pillow goes into bed with us and you know, there it is. It's sort of this alive thing that's now part of our house. And sometimes it's part of the Barbie game and sometimes it's not. And my mom's very present. It's, it. it I don't know. I, I, my, I think of the word serendipity. You know, there might have been another time where you might have picked up that pillow and just tossed it aside or completely ignored it at the bottom of a box. But right? It's sometimes no, it's about not, the Yeah, I felt like, oh, grandma's joining us in the lockdown. Mm. How great. You say early on in the film, Judith, that you know the ca the camera helped you to stay connected to your to your mom. You'd been sort of, I guess, shooting her. I, I don't know how old you are. You appear in the film a, a variety of different times. Um, I started shooting with her when I was twenty five years old. Okay, okay. So was that your way? 
when you say it's helped to stay connected, you were able to stay, hmm, you, you, you listened to your mom because the camera was on? No. Does that make sense? No, it wasn't exactly <laughs> no. like that. No, it's just that, well, th- at that point in time, my mother took this drug, which a lot of women in Canada took, called DES, which is, you know, it's in the movie. And diethylstilbestrol, this anti-miscarriage drug. And, you know, I I had to have a radical hysterectomy and I lost my ability to have a biological kid. And at 25, that was a really hard thing to accept. Mm. And the only way that I could accept it and process it was to grieve. And I got really, really depressed and went into a real state of grief. Now, granted, I had like eight weeks to recuperate from this very heinous operation. So I was at home at my mother's house for a great period, for a lot of that. And um, home in Long Island, I was living in New York City. So, you know, my mother was feeling incredibly guilty and I was feeling incredibly sad. And I chose to bring the camera home and and it became a way for me to remind her that she did not do anything to me, no matter mm, how bad right. we felt and how sad I got and how much grief I was in and how much I asked her to recognize my grief so that I could get through it. And no matter how guilty she felt, like it was not about us. And I was so terrified that we would fall into this horrible dark hole and really not be able to creep out of it and that it would absolutely ruin our relationship that I kept the camera around literally as witness to remind both of us that 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 we were part of that we were one of mil- you know we were just one of millions and millions of people who were at who 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 had been harmed greatly right. and um and whose lives were horribly disturbed because of the long long arm of corporate greed and the long-term impact of toxic chemical exposure and chemicals that are teratogens and can cross the placenta and especially those that are carcinogenic, which still exist today in multiple forms and we're all exposed to them and companies know it. So for me, it was an act of resistance and mm. resilience and defiance to keep that camera around. Because I actually knew that the real way to expose the long-term impact of that kind of corporate greed and that heinous behavior um, was to document it. And it wasn't to do it in a court of law where you couldn't have a camera. It was to show the long-term impact on a relationship with a mother that up until that point we thought was really pretty sacred and was our own and was private and in fact never ever was. So my mother did not want to heal from that experience with a camera, but it was the only way that I knew how to heal was mm. to make art. And she felt so guilty and so bad that the only thing she really could give me to make me feel better was her yes. And so we got used to doing that. And that's what I mean by stay connected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You talk, you talk, we're going to have to wrap it up here in a, in a couple of minutes, uh, but, but you talked, I think there was a montage of shots of pastel drawings and paintings, maybe and crayon drawings yeah. you, where you talk about documenting what was happening sort of just to make sense of it all. And uh, 
in, in, and I wonder, hmm, I wonder if that's a takeaway for people, you know, as, as they, well, they won't be walking out of theaters, but as they watch this film, it's about, it's about telling your story. It's about, it's about finding the community to step into and, 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 and to provide a listening ear from time to time and hopefully to find one for yourself. And, well, and I don't, the one does that thing make that sense? I really, I'm sorry, I just stepped over you. No, no, go, go. No, I mean, the thing that I really. This is your hope, radio show. Thank you. Um, <laughs> The thing that I hope that they take away from this, and, and, and I don't mind being a little prescriptive, and, and, the, and is I, I, I hope that if they are at home and apart from a loved one, especially a parent or a grandparent or, you know, a precious aunt or a, a very important mentor, if there is somebody like that in your life and you are not able to be together right now and they are they are they are older and they are worried about their health and their future and their mortality they need to talk to somebody and the best way to talk and be very practical at the same time is to do a stuff review hmm. you know and start with the stuff that they think they want to leave you do a stuff review that's so well there's your there's your series there's your netflix series right stuff review stuff review you, you, if you want to pitch it and they want to do it, do it. Um, <laughs> maybe we're, but, maybe we're onto something maybe, here. But, but, um, I'm hoping I'm, I'm, I'm developing a series of workshops on mm. how to do a stuff review Oh, that's and cool. how to go from, you know, talking about your Bubby's candlesticks to talking right. about your mother's do not resuscitate order. Well, you know, what's so beautiful about that is it has nothing really to do with the stuff, exactly. right? I mean, it's so, it's so lovely. It's so wonderful and so paradoxical. And, and isn't that what's so crazy and beautiful about being human all at the same time? Um, Judith, thanks so much for your time today. What a, what a pleasure. And uh, I, I am so glad you've shared this film with us and I, I wish you well with it. I hope everyone gets to see it. And are you, are you going to be doing some uh, uh, online Q&As with folks? In, I'm, in I'm next- so glad you asked that. That was my last thing I wanted to tell you. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I, I did an online Q&A with the senior programmer at Hot Docs, but I offered them and I offer your listeners... Um, I want to see people face to face through yes. Zoom, you know, and I want to answer your questions and have a conversation and feel the extraordinary Toronto audiences that I love so much and that you are so famous for. And the reason everyone loves to bring their movies to Toronto, whether it's Hot Docs or the Toronto International Film Festival or Planet, Planet in Focus or the Jewish Film Festival is because you're the best audiences in the world. Mm. Thanks. So I want to try to figure out how to do a Zoom. Now, I offer them, like, let's make a date, and anybody who's seen the movie can get access to that link and then can join us. What do you think about that? Or should we do a special face-to-face one with people who listen to your program? I th- I think it's a great idea. I mean, maybe maybe we can explore that and let. Well, I mean, not maybe. Let's explore that. Let's let's have a conversation about that. And yeah, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. That's what a great idea. Like sponsored by Face to Face and mm-hmm. Hot Rocks. Okay, and I'm liking this. Yeah, you could be the moderator. I I love that idea. I actually moderated a, 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 a an event on Saturday with 120 people on Zoom, and there were three speakers. And yeah, it 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 works. So that I'm let's I'm in. It. 
I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. Um, so real real quick, uh, you've got your own website as well. People can find out more about you as well, yeah, Judith, Judith Helfan. And that's judithhelfan.com. Um, Fantastic. We are starting a Facebook page for Love and Stuff. Wonderful. We will have a newsletter. And I am developing these workshops and look forward to being able to do a stuff review workshop. Yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to finding out in more Toronto about that in the near future. Love it. Uh, we've been talking with Judith Helfen today about her new film, Love and Stuff, world premiere at Hot Docs. Check it out. Uh, Judith, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.